Welcome to the DermVet Podcast. I'm Dr. Ashley Bourgeois, a board-certified veterinary dermatologist practicing in Portland, Oregon with animal dermatology clinics. I'm also a mom of two, just trying to find the balance like everyone else. Let's learn to ditch the itch, cytology, everything, and make derm more fun than frustrating. For atopic dermatitis, we know intradermal testing and serum testing are the two ways that we can measure the allergens a pet has in order to start them on immunotherapy. Now remember, first and foremost, before we even start talking about these tests, that allergy testing for atopic dermatitis is not a diagnostic test. So the only way to truly rule out atopic dermatitis, and as a dermatologist, these are all the steps I'm doing too, is to dive into the history, to make sure we're ruling things out, you know, identifying infection by doing cytology, doing the diet trials if there's non-seasonality present, making sure they're on a good isoxazoline for ectoparasite control. So we already know when we go to allergy tests to pet that they have atopic dermatitis. We are not running this test because they are itchy and we want to see if they have allergies. We know they have atopic dermatitis at that point. We are pursuing allergy testing because we want that owner to start immunotherapy on their pet. In fact, if I have an owner, even if we know they're atopic and they want allergy tests, but don't want to do immunotherapy, I don't even suggest that they do it because allergy testing, you know, there's a cost associated with that and allergies are expensive enough. We want to make sure we're putting the finances towards things that are going to be helpful for that pet. And the reality is most of the things that pets are allergic to with atopic dermatitis are ubiquitous. You know, they're not avoidable. They're not things that they can just stay away from. They're going to be pollens and danders and dust mites and things that we know are present in many areas that that pet becomes in contact with. Now, we know traditionally a lot of dermatologists and, you know, many of us have said intradermal testing is kind of that gold standard. And I love intradermal testing, but I'm going to argue the gold standard in a perfect world is actually, and I do this in most of the pets I allergy test, is to combine intradermal and serum allergy testing. And why is that? I love intradermal testing. If you watch what I, you know, anything I put up on social media, you see tons of skin tests go up. What is an intradermal test? An intradermal test is essentially us shaving an area on, let's say a dog, certainly can be done in cats as well, um, and horses too, and zoo animals. But let's just traditionally take a dog. We are going to shave them on their side. And then we are usually, I personally am doing this under sedation because it's many, many pokes, depending on how many things we're testing for. We are injecting allergens that we know in that specific area tend to lead to paritis associated with atopic dermatitis. We're injecting them in the dermis. So it is a, you know, a technique that yourself or technicians um, do. It is something that, you know, we can go too deep and sometimes get it in the subcutaneous area of the skin. So we're we're introducing that into the dermis. And then we start with a histamine for positive control and then saline for negative control so that we can compare the other things that we're measuring to those. So I often go back and forth between my histamine and something I'm evaluating or my saline and something I'm evaluating to give it a score. Most of us are scoring these um, between zero and four. Um, You know, I don't really give anything a one personally. I just do either zero, two, three, four, because 
Ultimately, a two is very, very subjective. If you had two dermatologists read a test, we're probably all going to have different twos. But we hope those threes and fours are something that we're mostly calling similarly to one another. But we're mostly evaluating what's going to go in immunotherapy or not. So I will grade those things and how many things are tested for really depends on the individual dermatologist because there's obviously some cross reactions. We don't test for every single thing in the environment, but we're testing for danders, including things like human dander, weeds, grasses, trees, mites like storage mice, dust mites, malassezia, because we can see malassezia hypersensitivities, molds. So we're measuring those things and what they react to compared to their histamine or saline. So that is different, obviously, than collecting blood sample and sending it out for serum testing. Well, what really are the differences between those? You know, before I really dived into learning the differences between these tests, you know, I would say, well, they they don't often match up. Well, there's a reason we often don't see those match up. What we have to realize and why, you know, in a perfect world, I love to do both, though certainly I have certain clients who financially cannot, or there's a reason that we can't sedate a pet to do skin testing, which we'll talk about. But there are differences we are measuring between these two tests. They are not exactly the same test. The half-life of IgE in the blood is two to three days, so it's much shorter. Compared to what we see on skin mast cells, that's between 16 and 20 days, at least based on the human literature. So if we look at a serum test on, say, a dog um, and looking at their IgE serum levels, because we want to start immunotherapy, that is more going to be a marker for recent exposure of IgE secretion by plasma cells. So more recent exposure. They have they were exposed to ragweed in the environment two days ago. Now that's different than what an intradermal test might show us. That is a marker for things that were seen by the immune system maybe you know a few weeks ago and has had more of a sustained IgE production. So there's actually differences in these two tests and what we see. Now there's lots of serum tests out there and, you know, we want to make sure we are utilizing the tests and maybe we'll have another podcast episode about that, that, um, have really good research behind them are really quality products, um, because they're not all created equal. There's different technologies are that are in between some of these really big tests. Um, and certainly, I'm getting really excited about this new, you know, Nexmune PAX test that's out because looking at molecular allergology, which again, we'll probably talk about in another episode of the podcast, but we have to be cautious about some of these tests that are giving us tons of positives because what we have seen in the human literature and what is being paid more attention to in the veterinary literature is this thing called CCD. And CCDs um, are essentially are um, they're carbohydrate detectors. So essentially, what we can see is a carbohydrate cross-reactive detector, where you can have an antibody that attaches to the CCD, which is basically the carbohydrate and not the protein, which we know is the peptide epitope, which is the more clinically relevant reaction that we would want to see. So newer tests are starting to have something called CCD blockers on them where they help to block against this carbohydrate cross-reactive determinant. 
they put in blockers for that so that we do not have that give us false positives on a test. So we're learning more and more about this. So that's something that we're seeing more and more tests come out with are these CCD, uh, CCD sorry, blockers. So not attacking getting positives because it's going to the carbohydrate, but we want to get the positives that are going to be mostly clinically relevant. And that's actually against the protein or the peptide epitope. So these are there's certain tests that we're starting to see have these blockers, which is derived from what we're seeing in human medicine. So in a perfect world, combining intradermal and serum tests allow us to get as much information about that pet as possible, what they've been most recently, most recently exposed to, also what they maybe were exposed to a few weeks ago. Now, the other point I want to bring up, and I've really started getting more specific about this, and this can be difficult if you have non-seasonal pets, allergies can be more complicated than we realize. We want to ideally test them in the season that they are active in. So have them a few weeks into summer so that we actually have those reactions built up, right? Like we have that IgE developed. Um, We don't want to have a pet who flares in the summer to allergy test them in the winter because we're probably not going to get a lot of their main positives. Now that is tricky in non-seasonal dogs, right? Because it's not necessarily probably um, financially um, able for a lot of our clients to allergy test them like four times within a year. So that gets tough. We can look for non-seasonal things like dust mites, certainly, um, but that can be really, really difficult. And that's why allergy testing is not as easy as always just collecting blood and sending it out. We have to make sure that it's a quality test. We have to make sure it's done during the right time. We have to make sure the owner is educated on how to do immunotherapy, that what their expectation with immunotherapy is. You need to know how to manipulate immunotherapy. So there's actually a lot that's involved with it. Now, when could there be certain times where maybe we would pick serum testing and not intradermal testing? And I have had those situations happen where either there is a medical contraindication to us sedating the pet because most of us are sedating for this test because, um, you know, it is a lot of pokes and not comfortable for a lot of pets to do awake or if they can't come off certain medications. So for example, we know we intradermal testing can be blocked by the use of corticosteroids. So oral corticosteroids, most of us want those discontinued for a month before we would perform intradermal testing. Well, I've had various patients that I share with say internal medicine specialists that have to be on steroids for something like, you know, IMHA or IBD or something like that. So then we just are not going to get a good test and it's not reasonable for them to come off that medication for an entire month for me to skin test. So then we'll serum test because we know that it doesn't necessarily affect most serum tests to have them on things like steroids or antihistamines. So if we have an owner who cannot sedate their pet or if they cannot get through the withdrawal period appropriately for us to do an intradermal test, we may just do serum testing. So there are some differences between these tests that we're learning more and more about. There's still more and more things we're learning about allergy testing in general that we have to recognize. So that's just a glimpse um, into some of the things I've been more recently educating myself on about these tests. Um, Like I said, there are certain cases where if the owner can only financially do intradermal testing and that makes sense, we'll just do that. Um, Maybe just serum testing if we can't sedate or if they can't get off medications that would allow us to intradermal test. But I really, in most of my cases, we'll do both because there's different reasons we can pick up different positives on these tests. We're using tests that, you know, 
have really good literature behind them. There's not a standardization to allergy testing in veterinary medicine, so it can be a bit complicated. We're getting more and more, um, you know, research done, looking at what's done in human medicine, doing things like the CCD blockers to really help us advance our use of allergy testing so we can more appropriately pick out things for immunotherapy. I think we may be seeing that we're not even going to be desensitizing to as many things as we learn how to get more accurate testing and and hopefully minimize things like false positives. But however we pursue allergy testing, we want to make sure it's done the right way. We also want to make sure that the owner is committed to immunotherapy and it is something that they understand what success looks like. And I have other podcast episodes about that. So I'd encourage you to make sure you're you know, referring or getting comfortable with how to do these appropriately so that we can help these pets long-term become desensitized and hopefully have their allergies become less progressive, use less medications if possible, um, and just make it a better quality of life for that owner and for that pet.